There are some stories that end with a quaint little phrase, and they lived happily ever after. But this is not one of those stories. This is the grim tale of Ananias and Sapphira. The early church had begun to flourish, and all the believers were getting along quite splendidly. They shared everything they had with one another, claiming nothing as their own. There were no needy people among them. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the proceeds to the apostles as a gift. Joseph was one such man who sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles as an offering. And oh, what a wonderful blessing it was to everyone. All the believers were encouraged and celebrated Joseph's selfless act. Well, not everyone. A couple named Ananias and Sapphira, who were counted among the believers, saw the way Joseph was admired and grew very jealous. He thinks he's better than us, they grumbled to each other. We deserve that kind of attention. They dwelt on it day and night. Finally, one night, they devised a plan to sell a piece of land, secretly keeping part of the money for themselves and giving the rest to the apostles. They would not necessarily say they were giving all of the money they received from the sale. They would just let everyone assume it, and presto, they would instantly be famous as self-sacrificing believers who surrendered everything to Jesus. So, with his wife's consent, Ananias sold the land, secretly kept part of the money, and brought the remainder to the apostles. But Peter saw right through Ananias, saying, Ananias, why have you let evil fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor dead. Everyone who heard the news was filled with fear. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, Sapphira came in, not knowing what had happened. Everyone nervously watched as Peter asked her, Was this the price you and your husband received for your land? The room fell silent. Yes, she replied. That was the price? Peter responded, How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test God like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than she also fell down dead. When the young men returned, they found her body. They carried her out and buried her beside her husband. By this time, the whole church, and in fact, everyone who heard of these things, had a newfound respect for God. So, unfortunately, there's no happy ending in this tale, but there is a warning here to take God very seriously. Dare I say, <laughs> deadly serious. <laughs>
of today is the same God that was there yesterday. The God of the New Testament is the same God in the Old Testament. The God in the Old Testament is the same Jesus as in the New Testament. What we have failed to do, in, in my opinion, in today's age, in today's culture, in today's America, in today's Bible Belt of the United States, is we have failed to take God seriously at what he says. We have, we have started to, over the past several years, and not that it's not always had some of that flavor, but we have really started to disrespect God in this age. We play games with God, and we say one thing, yet do another, and have no remorse over it whatsoever. And so today what I want to do is I want to pray that God would reveal to us the, the magnificence of God, the, the ferocious nature of God, the, the God that is an all-consuming fire, that we would look at him, that we would have this reverent fear that would build up inside of us, not that we would be scared, but that, that we would stand in awe of the power and the majesty, and instead of running in fear, that we would bow down in reverent respect for this almighty, powerful God that has came down and humbled himself so that you might be a part of what this magnificent God is doing. And so let's pray and ask God to bless the reading of the word and to bless our ears as we hear what he has to say. Jesus, thank you so much for, for revealing yourself already through song, through the greeters out here standing in the cold, sacrificing their comforts like you did on the cross. God, I'm thankful that we have those here at the well who are willing to lay down their lives and, and take you serious and get with the program and do the work, do, do the things that you have called us to do. God, I pray for myself, I pray for these who are under the sound of my voice that we would, we would find a new level of respect for you today, that we, would, that we would see what you're calling us to do and that we would understand that we've got to get our acts together. Not to please you, but because you were pleased to go to the cross for us. God, help us to be affected by the power that you have over sin. God, help us to not be your enemy. Help us to realize what it means to be your enemy. So that we would surrender. God, I pray that we would see the danger in being your enemy. And that we would put the white flag up. Because we don't stand a chance without you. Please, God, tear down the walls that we've built around our hearts. Tear, tear us down that think that we're hardcore. Help us to know that we are soft as cotton and moldable before a God that controls the universe. Help us, Jesus, today to surrender, to give it all away, no matter where we are, no matter what level of maturity, no matter what, help us to lay everything at your feet so that we don't lay at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I want to talk to you about Ananias and Sapphira, and we'll have to put a little context with this because, I mean, in all honesty, this text does stick out in the New Testament. I mean, you don't see very many instances of things like this in the New Testament, am I right? I mean, most of the New Testament is talking about grace. It's talking about love. It's talking about second chances and forgiveness. And, and I think that we will be able to see a lot of that right here if we'll only look a little bit. But I want to pull out a meaning in here that I think that we need to see that would pull us closer to a gracious and loving God and would give us a stern warning of why we are doing what we are doing. It would give us a stern warning of where we are intending to go and whether or not we go where we have said we're going to go. Because a lot of the times we make just flippant promises to God and, and we say things to God and, and we make recommitments and rededications and then we just forget about that like it's just okay to forget about that. And so today I would pray that we would take a step in our seriousness, that we would take a step in the way that we think about God and the actions that we take because of what we believe about God. We've got to step out of a halfway faith and step more fully into a full faith. And I know some of you 
are down here where you're just struggling to even know if you have any faith. And then some of you are over here, and you're trying your best, it seems like, and you're, you're trying to go that way, and you sit down and read, and something comes up, and you, you, you want to read your Bible, you want to do that thing, but you're still not, you're not involved with the church, or you're not, you're not giving like you should be giving. And then some of you, you're giving, you're involved in the church, and, and a lot of the times, though, it seems like, why am I doing these things? Why am I giving this? Am I giving this so that so that I will look good in front of everybody else? Do you walk down front and put the money in the plate because everybody else is walking down front, you know? Are we giving so that we can count it off on our taxes? Are we giving so that we can feel good about ourselves on the inside? Or are we giving out of our love and devotion to Jesus Christ, knowing that he's going to take it and he's going to pour himself out? Are we giving because we love him, or are we giving for any other reason? And it's not just about money at all, but about the, uh, the things that we do, do we get up and come because everybody's going to be mad if, we don't, if we're not there? You know, I think a lot of the times, especially in a church like this, you see, I came from another type of church, and it's not a bad thing or a good thing, but the church I came from, we didn't do church like this. You didn't have to have the greeters and the, the hospitality out front and the kid, well, it wasn't like that, and you didn't have all this set up. This, do you, you know, those of you who come and you work, you understand it takes a lot of work to do this. It takes a lot of sacrifice to really get out there and do ministry, to really get out there and do missions. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes guys like Pete Emmons sacrificing his time where he could be making money to come and do work that he's not getting paid for just because he loves Jesus. The same way with John Dimitri and Robert and Mark and all of you, so many of you saying, I don't really, I don't, I don't need the glory. I don't need the money. I don't need, you know, I might need the money but I don't need the money you know what I'm saying I can go out here and I can work and as a matter of fact I can spend some money I can I can go and I can give I, I'm, I don't really have it but you know what they need it so I'm going to give what I don't have because God has given everything for me it doesn't matter where you are God is calling us to take a step deeper in I'm telling you right now I need to read my Bible more I need to meditate more on the scriptures. I need to sit and I need to contemplate who this God is so that I can really know who I am. And once I start to understand who I am in light of who he is, that way I can be who he desires for me to be. You see, unless you see God, you have no idea who you are to be. Spring, Spring made a rededication last week, and I see her post, and she's in the Word. She's saying, Spring, I guarantee you I could bring her up here right now, and if she would share with us, I promise you that the closer she's gotten to Christ, the more it's been revealed about herself. You want to be a better person? You want to be the person that you, you need to be, that you know you need to be? And some of you are just, you think you're hardcore. You know, you're sitting there like, need that. But you know, down deep inside, you're just a little kid, a little kid scared to death, a little kid who's wet himself, and you need to be cleaned up. You need to be trained. You need to be potty trained. You need to learn how to walk on your own two feet. So don't need you. Yeah, you do. But until we see God and we see how big he is and how amazing he is, we still think that we're big and amazing. You see what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is that we've got to get perspective and we've got to have our motives changed. The, the, the sermon today is entitled, Motive Matters. Motive Matters. Why do you do what you do? Because it really, really matters. Why do you give? Why do you serve? Why do you do missions? Why do you go to the bar every other night? Why do you do what you do? It really matters. I'm going to read the text. We're in... Uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And I'm going to have to bounce back and give you a little bit of context so that we can rightly understand and divide the word. Let's get into the word. Before we do, let's pray. God, I pray that you would bless the reading and the hearing of this word. God, that you would not let it return void, that we would be changed internally and externally, and your, your name would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 5. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. What's the big deal in that? But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? 
While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Boom. Dead, come in, picked him up, wrapped him up, took him out, dug a hole, put him in it. After an interval of, about, interval of about three hours, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. She didn't even know. His wife walked through the door not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. Talk about a setup. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? How have you agreed together with your husband to test the spirit of the Lord? How many of us are testing God every single day? How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young man came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. She fell down dead. They walked through the door. They grabbed her up, went and put her in a hole. How serious is it to love God and to move because of how he's moving? How serious is it for you to, to get in underneath and, and right beside God so that you can carry through those things that your mouth project? How serious is it that we claim the name of God and we claim the name of Christ? Yes, I'm a believer, but we walk outside and we absolutely turn our back on Christ, whether with our actions, with our words, with our giving. How serious is it? Let me set this up a little bit for you. Let me give you a little context to put up underneath what we understand here because without understanding what was going on up to this point, it's going to be a lot harder. So I want to flip back real quick. You don't have to flip. It may be on the screen here, but if not, I'll read it to you. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. Listen to what was going on. You see, Jesus Christ had just been murdered on the cross. He came back from the dead. He met with the apostles. He met with his disciples. He showed them his hands. He showed them his feet. He's like, look, I know you don't get it, but here I am. And all of a sudden, those who were fearful and those who were cowards, those who had said, you remember Peter said, I'll die with you, Lord. And then the, uh, you know, the, little, the little girl looks at him and says, hey, didn't you know Jesus? And he's like, no, 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 look away, look away. Coward coward he said one thing but he did not do it and then Jesus Christ comes back from the dead he meets with them he shows them his hands he meets with them in the upper room and all of a sudden the same people who were cowering and it says in the in, at the end of John that they were locked in the upper room for fear of the Jews well right after that when Jesus Christ shows himself and they see him where he is and they see his power and they see his majesty they are transformed not just on the inside but on the outside. You want to know about boldness? You want to know about power? You want to know about stepping up? You want to know about making a change in the world? You want to know about being effective and being used by God as a powerful influence for the kingdom of God? You've got to put your eyes on him. Because the same Jews that they were locked in the room because they feared them, they came out with a boldness that was unmatched on the face of the earth till that day. And they preached and proclaimed, this Jesus that you killed, the Jesus that you crucified. And as they did, the church was absolutely transformed. You see, church, we will not be able to move forward. We will not be able to progress until you get face-to-face -face with Jesus Christ and he changes your life and he gives you strength, he gives you boldness, he gives you power, and that power just comes out. You can't learn it, you can't steal it, you can't, you can't do anything but receive it. And we try and we try and we try, but we fail to look into one place where we can get it. 
the face of Christ. As Moses looked at the face of Christ, the, the face of Christ radiated off of Moses so much that when he came down off the mountain, the people looked at him and he says, look away. As Stephen was being killed, as he was being stoned with, with, with rocks and, and, and rocks, I'm sure the size of bricks, beating the life out of him. You don't throw pebbles at someone to kill him. As Stephen is being beat to death, he looks into heaven, he gazes into heaven, and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, and it said the same thing about him. It said the same thing about Stephen, that his face was shining. It was shining because the glory was radiating off of him. It's not something that you buy. It's not something that you learn. It's not something that you steal. It's something that is reflected off of you because Jesus Christ laid it on you. Do you stand and gaze into heaven? You see, this had happened, and, and, and Peter and the other uh, disciples and apostles had been changed by Jesus, and they came out swinging. They came out gung-ho. Let me tell you about my God. They say, shut up. Don't say anything else about him. And, and Peter says, what are you going to do? You're going to kill me? Who am I going to obey, you or God? I'm preaching the gospel. Listen to what it says. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about three grand, 3,000 souls. You say, numbers aren't important. Peter records. Well, Luke records Peter's numbers. You say, well, why do numbers matter? Because I want you to look at all of the faces in here that could radiate the glory of Christ and have people going, oh. Look at all the faces in here that can radiate the power of God and make an influence in our community that can make changes. Do you understand your power? Do you understand your potential? Church, if we get our act together, if we get on our face, we could change the world tomorrow. How many of you walk out these doors today? Well, it's God, okay. The face. Now, I'm not kidding. Like, go home and get on your face and pray, God, change me. Help me to care more about you than anything else. You see, Peter had been transformed. And it says 3,000 souls were added. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. You see, the apostles wasn't all that. But Jesus was. And what the apostles were handling, what the apostles were giving out, was what was transforming souls. That is, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they were devoted to these teachings. You see, the well here is proclaiming a message. We are, we are proclaiming Jesus Christ with our hands, with our feet, with our mouths from the stage, with our songs. Are you devoted to the church? Are you devoted to the work that's going on here? Yes, I'm asking you, are you devoted to the well? If you're visiting here, are you devoted somewhere else? Are you being used? Are you a vessel that you are saying, God, let these guys pour into me, pour into me so that I might be used? Or are you just kind of floating through this life? Are you a visitor? How long have you been a visitor? Guys, I'm calling you to get in. I'm calling you to get busy. I'm calling you to work. I'm calling you because they need you. God doesn't need you. He wants to use you. But the community needs you to step up. It needs us to be more like Christ. It needs us to be more in the Word. And I'm not telling you necessarily that you've got to get on a bunch of positions here or a bunch of teams here at the well. I'm telling you that you need to get plugged in, but that you need to get plugged into the Word of God. You need to see Jesus every single day and then come to the church and you say, how can I serve this body? Because we're about God's business. And we need you to be about his business too. It says, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the, pro the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. See, it doesn't end just here. Yeah, we preach and we proclaim and we sing, but we break bread together at home too. This is not a one-time-a-week thing. This is something that we nourish and facilitate every day, that we are loving someone, giving a call, texting, hey, I'm praying for you today, Facebook, and hey, is there any way that I can pray for you today? I saw you the other day. Is there a way that I can help you? I saw you walking down the road and you didn't have a coat. I went and bought this one. Here you go. 
It's about being Jesus every day. It's, you wouldn't let your kid walk around outside without a coat, would you? How in the world can we let those that we love and that come here and are just in our community, our fellow man, how can we let them walk around on the street without a coat? You say, well, I was going to buy a new driver with that. Please. I'm guilty too. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I want to ask you a serious question. How many of you would love to see not just this church, but the kingdom of God explode with people who love Jesus? How many? Well, I would too. And you know what that's going to look like? It's going to look like us pouring ourselves out for Jesus Christ. It is going to look like us sacrificing our time. It's going to look like us sacrificing the things that are near and dear to us so that Jesus Christ will be lifted up, proclaimed and glorified so that others will be changed, redeemed and transformed. You're doing it. Let's do it harder. I see it happening. Let's see more. How many of you know that God could do more? How many of you know that God could do more? You see, Jesus Christ is not limited. His glory is infinite, and his worth is measureless. You cannot put a price on it. You cannot put a word to it. There's more, guys. There's more. As we move on, we get closer to our text. What it says in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37, that's, that's the general context of what I just told you. The body was growing, devoted, filled, selfless. It was connected. It was flowing together. You know, we talk about that all the time, right? That's that word shalom. Shalom in the Old Testament, most people think peace, but you've heard this many, 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 many times from me. But shalom is so much more than peace. It is peace, but the peace comes from this interwovenness of, of, of the, the entire universe. It is this connectedness. It is this flow that you know what I need and I know what you need. And, and if you've got it, you're going to give. And if I've got it, I'm going to give it. There's none in need. Why? Because I see you. I hear you. It's like a song. I need to fill this empty spot with some beautiful harmony. So here's what I can offer. You see, unless the whole band plays, it sounds kind of off. This connectedness, I saw the other day when I was actually in the shower, I was taking a shower, and I don't always do this, for some reason I had my phone out on the uh, counter in the bathroom, and I was playing some Christian hip-hop. Now, I don't know what you feel about hip-hop, but I like it. I like Christian, I like, you know, I like, I like that. You might say, I thought he was a preacher. I like Christian hip-hop, I'm not going to lie, Lecrae, Andy Maneo, I like them all, okay, I can feel that, I can, you know, I can feel it. And so I'm taking a shower, you know, I'm not even really paying a whole lot of attention. And I hear this banging on the door. Boom, 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 boom. You cannot get away from these kids. That's why it's locked. If you can't get in, go away. You feel me? But he was like, can I come in, can I come in, can I come in, can I come in? And I finally got done and I came out and I turned the phone off and I wrapped my towel around me and I went over and, and uh, unlocked the door and he came in. And it was Z, little Z. And Z's awesome. I'm telling you, he's growing out. Well, no, he's not growing out of a job, but... But he's awesome. I was telling them the other day, you know, he gets mean. But, he, you know, he's just, a, he's just got a loud personality. I know a lot of times I paint that picture of him. But I promise you this. Let me offset that a little bit by when he loves, he loves out loud too. I mean, the other day he made me a little uncomfortable because he kissed me like ten times on the mouth in a row. I'm like, okay, man, I love you too. I was a little uncomfortable. But I do love him. He'd tell me, I love you this much. Awesome. He came in the bathroom and he said, he, he does this thing. He came in and, what was that? That's what he did. And I said, what was what? I didn't really know what he was talking about. He was, like, he was like, that sound. And I was like, what sound? And he, you know, he can't, you know, Jesus Christ is coming back. You know, he can't say the words, you know. So he's, he's like, I was like, what sound are you talking about? He went. That is not a lie. True story. I said, what sound? He said. <laughs> I said, oh, I was playing the music on my phone. The reason I tell you that story is because do you feel God? Are you connected in such a way that your life and your actions is an outflowing of the work of the Holy Spirit? 
You get me? Does that make sense? I just thought that tied in because he felt the music, and the music, you didn't even have to say it. There's a man one time said, I preach the gospel every day, and I use words when needed. You see, your life is to be a product of the song that's playing in your heart. Do you feel him? Are you connected in that way? Well, that's the way the, the early church was at this moment. They were, they were hearing each other's song. They were feeling God's song, and they were following the rhythm. They were following the rhythm. We move on now. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. Now the full number of those, listen to what he says. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son, son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So what we have here is kind of the counterpart to the Ananias and Sapphira story. We have a man named Joseph, and his intentions were right. You see, I don't want you to think now that I'm promoting socialism because there's a big question of whether or not the you know the the bible promotes promotes communism or socialism where you know all things you know all things were shared and all that kind of thing i i don't think that i'm not going to get into a political argument right here but i don't think this is what this is saying let me show you one reason why just so that just so that we'll have a little bit of a perspective listen to what it says it says now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. And so what I think we have here is this thing to where, you know, the Bible says that a man that won't work, don't eat. A man that won't provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. We have in the scriptures God calling you to work. Get, and we, we're heavy on that here at the well. If you won't work, you need, to, you need a spanking. All right? If you won't work, if you want to act like a kid, you need somebody to say something to you. We was at the, the bull riding thing last night, and we had a little incident. And you about, the preacher about had to get a little wild, right? Because we had this little, don't say rap. We had this immature guy, love you, baby doll. We had this immature guy behind us who was just dropping the F-bomb left and right. And we had, I had my son, Ezekiel, here, and I love my son. And I'm trying to train him. I'm trying to show him. I'm trying to lead him. And we had Ronnie. It was right beside Ezekiel. And about 10 kids on the road. So we gave him plenty of time. But he kept on dropping them, dropping them, dropping them, leading terribly. And Chris and, Chris and Rob were sitting right beside me, and Chris was looking at me going. And I was going. And it went from. <laughs> so I said, all right, all right, that's enough. And so Robert's like, just let it go, man. <laughs> and I'm like, nah. But he was okay. He was moldable. I said, you see all these kids? Shut up. <laughs> we got to leave. We got to stand up. We got to make a difference. We got to get in the game. You got to work. It's, it's time for us to put down our little lollipops, and it's time to pick up a hammer. It's time to pick up a book. It's time to get in there. It's time to do something. Men need to be men. Amen. Come on, men need to be men. And so we have this, this amazing story here where, where we had everyone who was busting their tails. They're working hard. Paul was a worker. He was building tents, preaching the gospel, getting his hands dirty, going to prison, fighting beasts, shipwrecked like a cra like a wild man. You think Christianity is boring? You've never read this book. You think Christianity is easy? You've never walked in these shoes. It's not easy. You're not easy. You know, the, 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 the phrase is, it's, it's harder to walk away than it is to get into a fight. That's true. Why? Because of our pride and our ego. But in this story right here, no pride. 
They were working hard. And, and, and this belonged to them. There's no, it's not like they took it. The apostles didn't require this of them. You, you, yeah, you worked there, you made that, but you give it to them. No, that, well, that wasn't the case. What we had was men and women working hard to, to, to gain this stuff, but they saw Jesus in the right light, and this stuff no longer had the significance that it once did. And when they saw their, 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 their friend, their brother, their sister, those in the community over here who were hurting, they said, they need this. I've got this extra over here. I've done well. I've worked. I've got this right here that I don't need right now, and I'm going to take what belongs to me, that's the scripture, and I'm going to give it to him. So we have someone who was selfless. We have someone who, was, who, who had the mind of Christ. And they had all things in common, not because it was taken, but because it was given. Do you give? Do you really give? How comfortable are you? I've heard it said many, many times, and I believe it. We need to give until we're a little worried about how much we've given. You say you're crazy. I say I'm biblical. We need to give until we're like, I don't know if I should have given that much. When was the last time you said, I'm not sure if I should have given that much? And not because you're cheap, but because you had given a lot. That's truth. That's truth. So we have all things in common. The unity ran deep beyond personal possession, which fueled the work and the progress. Listen to what it says there. It says that it was distributed uh, to each as any had need, and it was just moving forward. They laid it down at the apostles' feet. The apostles were doing the work of God, and the work of God was moving forward in an amazing way. And I mean in an amazing way. You see, I've, 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 God showed me this thing last night that it said, the church must be built on the reverent fear and awe of God. You don't have to go there yet, Terry. I know you follow me. It doesn't ha it, the church must be built. The church must be built on the reverent fear and awe of God if it wants to progress. You've got to have such a mind for Christ that these possessions don't mean that much to you. You've got to have, you've got to have such a mind for Christ and what he's done for you that your comforts aren't that important to you because if you want to be successful in life and by that I mean not having a lot of money but using it to the glory of God then God's got to be more important if you want to have a wonderfully successful marriage and by that I mean love intimacy connectedness not that you never fight but that when you fight you do it in a way that glorifies God you've got to be connected to him you've got to love Jesus more than your need to be right because a lot of the times you're going to have to admit when you're admit that you're wrong even if you're not if you want to if you want a successful life that's filled with peace and joy and love and patience and self-control and kindness and all the fruits of the spirit you know what it's going to take it's going to take you seeing Jesus Christ and being made in the likeness of his death so that you can be you can share in the likeness of his glory We've got to become one with Christ. We've got to see him and bow down. You see, the unity ran deep past everything, past everything, right to the place where needs are met. I know in this day, in this time, you know, and I know that a lot of you are probably still visitors at the well, but I would pray that you would pray about if this is where God would have you to be so that you would dig down deep and get involved here at the well. To get involved here. And you say, well, nobody's approached me on how I can serve. Listen, don't wait. Don't wait on somebody to approach you. Man, everybody here at the well, they got their hands slammed full. But if you just come, I've had people come and tell me, where can I serve, where can I serve? And I try to get them plugged in here, try to get them plugged in here. You want to serve at the well? Be here Sunday morning. 8 o'clock, you get to work. Just ask. And it doesn't have to be here. In the community, you see somebody out, you see somebody in need, spend your money, spend your time, spend the flesh on your hands. It might mean blisters. You see, the church was progressing in such a way that it was an amazing rate. 
thousands had been added in one day. And then day by day, it just kept growing and kept growing and kept growing. Why? Because the unity ran so deep and because God was absolutely moving. But then we had a hiccup. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, if you were like me, when I read that, I'm like, I, that's wrong. I mean, that's, that's kind of messed up, but I do worse stuff than that on a weekly basis. Why in the world did God do this? Well, I mean, what? I mean, the man, that just seems harsh. Boom, dead. You got to understand that there's a couple of things that don't, that don't translate really well from the original language to the English language. So let me just bring out a couple of different things. One says, and, and he sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. This Greek word here where it says he kept back, where it says he kept back, you see that? That's actually a, a mistranslation. It should be more along the lines of, he embezzled, or he, he stole this money. He stole what was rightfully God's. He had stolen what was the church's. He had embezzled it. You see, what had happened was is that he had set all of this aside for God. And if he didn't proclaim it, he let everyone think that I'm going to do like Barnabas did, I'm going to do like Joseph did, and I'm going to sell my property, and I'm going to give it all to the church too. Yay me. Woohoo! Look at me, look at me. You remember in the gospel where Jesus Christ said, when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left is doing. When you pray, get inside the closet and get on your face. Don't be like the Pharisee who stands up and says, Thank you, God, that I'm not like this guy. But when you pray, pray in your closet. That you are to give out of the, the abundance of your heart and not out of recognition of what you've done. You see, they were lying to God and stealing from God. But as we go through the text even more, listen to what it says. It says, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it, re not, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? You see, what he's saying here is that nobody asked you to do that. Why are you putting on the show? Why? You see, why is the question. They were not required to sell the land or give the money. They're not required to do that. How many of us, let me bring that home, okay? Let me bring that back a little bit to our current situation. Nobody is demanding that you go out and say that you're a Christian. You see, hypocrisy is the thorn to the church. How many people do you know that say, I can't go over there and be with those hypocrites? Now, let me make a distinction because there's absolutely a distinction between someone who is trying to understand Jesus, someone who is trying to figure out where they are in the faith, and then someone who proclaims to be a believer, who proclaims to love Jesus, who proclaims to work in the church, yet they are doing something underhanded in the background. Why did they say this? Why did they say it? I mean, why didn't, they just, why didn't they just sell the land and do whatever they wanted to with it? You see, the reason that they did this is that they were trying to steal glory. You see, it wasn't really about the money. They wanted the money, they wanted the glory without the sacrifice. They were pretenders, and Jesus Christ in the gospel says, hypocrites! And that's how he says it too. I didn't just make that up. When he's talking to the Jews and he's talking to the Pharisees and they're calling everybody to do all these things, you remember what he said? You're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but you're full of dead men's bones. <laughs> you're like dirty dishes. You got, the, you got the outside looking nice, but when you go to take a sip, there's crud floating on the inside. How many of us are like that? You put on a good front. You put on a good show when you come to church and when everybody's looking at you. When, when somebody's coming over, you might get the Bible out, dust it off a little bit, and put it on the table. Why? You ain't fooling nobody. 
except maybe that person that came over to your house, but God sees right through it just like he did with Ananias and Sapphira. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the money. It was about the robbing of God's glory. And God is a jealous God. God is a supreme God. Jesus Christ is the man. He is the one true God. And he will not have his glory stolen. It is his and his alone. And he's powerful. I wouldn't mess around with him. You see, they wanted the glory without the sacrifice. They were pretenders. They were hypocrites. Hypocrisy attacks the very foundation of the church, the Holy Spirit, and it it just halts progress. Now listen to what i got to say here because this will be a little connection, but I'm going to have to go kind of fast because I'm running out of time. There was a story in the Old Testament that I know that I've shared here before. I'm pretty sure that I have. I think I have. The, the story of, is when they were conquering the land, when they were going in, they were attacking, and they were, they were conquering the land, and, 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 and it's just an amazing thing to see that the army of God can't be stopped, but there are certain orders. There are certain ways that there are, are to go about it. And as they went into this one battle, as they, as they go in and as they take the land, the, the command was, do not take any of the money, do not take any of the booty, do not take any of the loot. You are to destroy it all. It is all to go to God. It is all God's. Well, there was a man named Achan. And Achan kept for himself some of the booty. And he hid it up under his tent like no one would know. And no one did know except who? Jesus, God. God knew what he had done. And what happened? You see the army just progressing like crazy. They can't be stopped. Nothing can slow them down. But all of a sudden, Achan, he steals from God. He steals and disobeys God. And what happens to the church? What happens to the kingdom? What happens to Israel? It goes, Wow. It's because it's tearing the very foundation of what this is all about. It stopped until God weeded out who it was. And you know what he did to Achan and his whole family? The same thing he did to Ananias and Sapphira, killed him dead. Why? You see, hypocrisy attacks the very foundation of the church, the Holy Spirit, and it just halts progress. Because what happens is that this is really, it is really blasphemy. It's blasphemy. Let me try to paint this. It's kind of hard. I've been just beating my brains all night last night and this morning on how to paint this picture for you. And I, I was Wesley saw this morning. I just, you see, what happens is, is that we prance around pretending that the Holy Spirit is glorious. That, that Christianity is wonderful, and, it, and, it's, and it's overwhelming, and it's powerful. So we put on this front, okay? We're walking around, and we're stealing God's glory because we will take his name, taking God's name in vain, and we will, we will proclaim ourselves to be Christians. Yes, I follow Jesus. Yes, I, I, I have the peace of God. Yes, I have joy. Yes, I'm a Christian. I am a Christian. Yes, I am. But we're putting on this lie, and we're stealing God's glory, and we're not giving him the recognition because we're, we're stealing away our lives. We are not really resting on the truth. We're not really getting our power from him. We're not really getting anything from him, so we are mocking him. We're saying, I don't think, yeah, spirit, you're not worth it. I, I, I can handle this on my own. I can put this show on. They'll, they'll never know. I'll take this. So it's blasphemy, it's saying, Spirit, the Spirit is no good. And what happens is, is that the moment someone finds out, they look at you and trust is severed. That's why hypocrisy is so detrimental to the progress of the church, because it kills the trust. If you think it doesn't matter that you say you're a Christian, but yet you don't follow, you're wrong. Because when someone associates you with the kingdom of God, when somebody associates you with the power of the Holy Spirit, only to find out that you're a fraud, that you're a phony, then it absolutely destroys or tears down who they think God is. We've got to give ourselves to God. We've got to quit playing games. We've got to get on our face 
I think the reason that the penalty is so heavy, and some questions in most commentaries ask the question, I ask the question too, were these believers? Was Ananias and Sapphira, were they believers? I mean, did they die and go to hell over this? And, and if they were believers, then why do they get punished twice? If Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for their sin, why do they have to pay for their sin now too? I thought that when we were saved, we were saved and our sins were washed away. What in the world? That you can't find in the text whether they were believers or not. There's different opinions. But I will say this. Whether they were believers or whether they wasn't believers, God made his point. And if they were believers, then he ended their life on this earth sooner than it should have been ended because they were not of any used to him there wasn't any progress they were hurting themselves and God took them out here early but that doesn't mean that their salvation was questioned you see as we move through it's like proclaiming one thing stealing God's glory but not having the thing not having the heart not having the spirit not having not having the wonderful fulfilling power to back it up it's kind of like and I've seen this a couple of times it's just the silliest thing I've ever heard. I've seen on Facebook a couple of times, and I've heard a couple of guys say that <laughs> that walk around in Landrum here, you know, they're trying to act all hardcore, you know. What's up, dog? I'll kill you in your sleep. <laughs> yeah, right. They say, I heard some say, I'm with the Crips. <laughs> yeah, you should laugh, because that is funny. Wow. There is a gang called the Crips, and there are a gang called the Bloods, but there ain't nobody from Landrum in one, I'll promise you that. And if you went to New York or if you went to California or wherever the Crips and the Bloods hang out, I don't know where they are, and you said, I'm a Crip, they'll say, you, you better run. You better run right now because you silly. You see, when we try to steal God's glory, when we try to steal what's rightfully God's, it doesn't work out well. It doesn't work out well at all. As we move through the text and as we finish up, I want to paint this picture for you because at this point, everyone in this room, everyone in this room should be saying, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Because there's so many hypocrites in this room. And don't point at your partner. Don't point. I've been a hypocrite before. I don't want to be, but I have been. And you know what the truth of the matter is? If God wasn't gracious and, and not giving me what I deserve, I would fall down dead right here, right now. As you all stand to your feet and as the lights are lowered in here, I want you to I want you to think about something. Listen to what it says. Why it still remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Listen. God in his divine wisdom somehow figured out a way to be absolutely sovereign and control all of humanity and to control all of, of the universe and the future and the past and everything else while still requiring you to choose. How that works? Got me. But I know one thing. You have a decision that you need to make today. If you want to walk with the world and if you want to lay down with the world and if you want to sleep with the world, then expect what the world has to offer, which is death. You see, it says, you have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down dead. He breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. Listen to what it says about his wife. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the lamb for so much. Tell me whether you're going to stay with that husband. Tell me whether you're going to agree with him. Tell me whether you are going to lay down with him. I want to know, are you going to agree with your worldly husband or are you going to do what's right and go with God? She said yes. She said yes. 
so much. She chose the wrong path. She had in that opportunity a chance to divorce, to go away from, to move away from this world and everything that it offers and every lie that it breathes and it speaks and it whispers. But she chose to lay down with the world. And it says then, Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Where is Jesus in all of this? Because right now we know that this church, the kingdom, has made progress like we've never seen before. I ask you, are you a part of the progress or are you hindering it? Are you, are you contriving in your mind? Are you, are you conspiring against God because of the worldly things that you desire? Are the feet of those who have carried out thousands and millions before you, are they waiting at the door for you? Will you go? Will you lay down with the world? Will you choose the world or will you choose Christ? Because there is another who stands at the door. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He, anyone who would open the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. You see, if you would only answer the call, if you would only answer the call, then you could become the bride of Christ and not the bride of Satan. Turn away from that which would lead you astray and go and open the door, not to those that would carry you away, but to the one that would come in and fill your cup until it runs over. It's time for us to get serious about God. It's time for us to understand that you do not want to be an enemy of God because he never loses. It's time for us to say, God, I am with you. God, I'm saying no to the world and I'm saying yes to you. I don't want to go out. I don't want to be thrown in a hole. God, I don't want to spend eternity separated from you. Today, God is calling. God is calling you to lay down that which you've been holding on to so tightly. Be careful of what you hold on to in this life because you might hold on to it for all of eternity. You will be in one or two spots. You will either live to steal His glory or you would live so that His glory might be seen. You're right. You've done some things that you shouldn't have done. I have too. You're right. You're a hypocrite. And a lot of times you slow down the progress of the church. Me too. But you're wrong in thinking he's not knocking on your door. You're wrong in thinking that he can't wash away your sins. You're wrong in thinking that he can't change the motivations of your heart. You're wrong in thinking that he can't change what you desire. You're wrong in thinking that he can't forgive you. You're wrong in thinking that he can't grant repentance. You're wrong in thinking that he can't use you. You see, you can, you can keep the door closed so that the light won't shine in. Or you can fling open the door so that the glory of Christ would radiate off of your face. And not only would he come and fill you up full, but that he would make you a vessel that pours into other people's souls as well. This year, let us throw aside everything that hinders, everything that holds us back, everything that entangles us, and let us run the race that is set before us. How many of you have things that you need to throw off? How many of you, you hear Peter, you hear Jesus right now saying, is that who you really are? Is that how much you've got for the land? Is that who you really are? Do you really love Jesus? Do you really? Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. He knows already. He knows already. Let him free you from your guilt. There is nothing that God cannot overcome. There is nothing that God cannot overcome. Your hypocrisy, your filth, your dirt, He will make you white as snow and pure as can be. He will set your feet 
on an amazing path. And yes, you will fail from time to time, but he will continue to hold you up. Who today would answer the call? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. There's somebody at your door. I promise. There's somebody at your door. Who will it be? Now is the time to answer and let Christ in. Let him in. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the last time. I want to see this altar lined with people who know they have not been living like they should, who know that they have been steeped in hypocrisy time and time again. I'll be here. I want to see this altar lined with people who are tired of playing games. I want to see this altar lined with people who understand, maybe for the first time today, that God wants to use you to transform the world. I want to see this altar lined with people who say no to self and yes to God, who lay their lives down. Would you come? Let's do this thing together. Let's do this thing together. Please come. Get on your face. Repent.